most common urging in the human heart is to escape the confines and the limits of their own being and their own limitations. And there are a lot of people today that they're trying all kinds of things. They're trying through transcendence. They're trying through the Eastern philosophies. They're trying through witchcraft and the occult. And uh, this longing after the supernatural, some ability or some capacity to escape the capacity of their own beings is, is uh, revealed by men and women seeking in many ways to escape the limitations of their own personality. And the very uh, urging of their spirit that, uh, that is revealed in this uh, searching after other ways is, is perhaps a, a revelation and is perhaps a, a reflection that man was made to escape uh, his own limitations and he was not created to be limited to what he is limited by sin and, and by transgression today, but God created him with an ability to transcend what you and I know as the limitations of our own personality. And I'd like to speak, perhaps, uh, uh, if I was giving my sermon the title, it would be Man in the Third Dimension, from Acts, the fifth chapter, verses 12 through 16, if you want to read those responsively with me, as I read verse 12 and you read verse 13. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. First of all, I want you to consider with me that the ability of you and I to reach beyond ourselves, the ability of you and, of you and I to touch a dimension beyond our own capabilities, and beyond our, the limitations of our own personality are, di are displayed in the Word of God in the capacity to uh, join ourselves to God or in God joining Himself to us. See, man's will has crossed the will of God. We see this in the garden. We see man crossing God's will. We see God declaring what His will is. We see man disobeying, we see man going astray, we see man taking of the fruit, and we see sin coming into the human race, defiling that capacity that God has given, and uh, bringing sin into the human race, and then we see God driving man out, and separating himself from God, because man's will has crossed uh, the will of God. The devil has exploited that, the devil came on the scene, and the enemy of our souls has from that moment oppressed and has brought mankind into bondage. And from that moment, when man sinned, he lost the capability that God had given him as a joint heir, that capability that God gave him as a creature that had supernatural power and supernatural capacity and an ability to stand on earth in the image of God as God's representative, as God's king of the earth. He lost that capability and he has not gained it back until Calvary's cross. In Calvary's cross, God reconciled man 
unto himself. We see in the passage of Scripture before us that a tremendous thing transpires in this passage of Scripture, and that is it says that believers were added to the Lord. Now, that does not mean that they had a religious uh, indoctrination or that they joined some church or that they went through some kind of religious ritual. What happened to man in that experience that is described in the Word of God is that a miraculous experience with God transpired in his soul, and that man was added to the Lord. This is not simply a word of posture. This is not simply a word of religious indoctrination. This is a word of miracles as God himself comes on the scene and joins himself unto man. And the scripture says that day many believers were added to the Lord. Thank God for redemption. Thank God for Calvary's cross. Thank God for Jesus Christ who went to Calvary. And there the second Adam suffered and bled and died, and by the blood of his cross he has reconciled God and man. Jesus said to the disciples, this is the new covenant in my blood. He said to the disciples, God now is doing something powerful. God is doing something in redemption. God is joining himself unto man, and on the cross of Calvary, Man's will was crossed out, and as he surrendered in love unto the cross of Calvary, in the cross, man's will is crossed out, and he begins to receive now God's will, that he may do God's will, and obey God's will, and manifest God's ability in his life and in his soul. Jesus said before he went to Calvary, not my will, but thine be done. As he bowed in the garden, there he was, submitting himself as the God-man, as the representative of both God and man. There Jesus is bowing to the will of God as the Son of Man. He is bowing himself and submitting himself under the cross of Calvary. There he is to go and suffer and die for the sins of man. And he says, not my will, but thy will be done. The prophets had spoken in the Old Testament, reiterated in Hebrews, that I came, or I do come, to do thy will, O God. On Calvary's cross, man's will is crossed out. He surrenders himself unto the living God, and there, hanging between heaven and earth, the Son of God made reconciliation for the sins of man as the representative of mankind. He submits to the will of God, the second Second Adam reconciles us unto God, and as representative of God, he reconciles man to God, and these two are joined together in Calvary's cross because God joins himself to man in salvation. That separation that had been started in, in the garden, that separation, that driving of man away, that separating of man uh, from uh, God, that uh, fall that came in the garden is reconciled. There is a restoration. There is a redemption wrought, and God's will now becomes a resident in all who will believe in Jesus Christ, and they are born again in that experience as they surrender to Calvary and surrender their will to God in love. They surrender to the love of the cross, in that act they are born again. 
In that moment, God's nature is joined unto man's nature. In that moment, God takes up his residence inside of man. In that moment, they become partakers of the divine nature, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. And God joins himself unto man and becomes a partaker of the divine nature. And in that moment, he is able to transcend beyond himself, he becomes saved. This means that no longer does he have to live without the peace of God. Because in his heart, he is able to achieve a peace and a tranquility that comes because all is at rest between him and God. Because the enmity is destroyed, the warfare is over, and the war between God and man is settled. Man has surrendered to the will of God, and he is born again, and he becomes a member of the family of God. This means he has freedom from fear. No longer does he have to walk through the earth. Uh, with fear, driven and oppressed by the devil, exploited at every turn. But uh, in that moment, uh, he becomes uh, a member of the family of God. He is translated from the dominion and the rule of the demonic forces, translated into the rule and the dominion of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is able in that moment, as God joins himself to him, to escape from the bondage of fear. He escapes uh, the bondage of guilt. He escapes uh, in forgiveness uh, and redemption. He is cleansed uh, and he is forgiven. Uh, and God's forgiveness and love floods his soul uh, because man uh, in that moment uh, is able to escape uh, from the dimension uh, that sin had bound him. Uh, and he reaches beyond uh, and he has a connection under the throne of God. Uh, in that moment, uh, he has a connection restored uh, under the heavenlies. Uh, and in that moment, God opens up a lifeline to him and he becomes a partaker of all the blessings and all the benefits that God has for him. Because, my friend, in this act of God joining himself to man, God has solved the sin problem. And in that glorious word, salvation, man is brought into harmony with God and he is reconciled. And man has the capacity then to be what God has ordained him to be. Can you say amen? Secondly, I want you to see from that passage of Scripture that there is a, a dimension that is reached in joining the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a loner generation. I was reading an, a, an article that said this interesting fact about cancer. It said that cancer is the lawless development of a lot of little cells with a will of their own. Then, when they have had their fling, they uh, do not protect uh, and preserve the body which allowed them their freedom, uh, but uh, kill it. Now, that is an apt description not only of cancer, but that is an apt description of the man, the woman, that has not received this new nature from God and is still living in selfishness that describes what he does in his everyday affairs. He's living his own will, he's living his own way, and his life is filled with broken relationships. It is filled with people that he has destroyed with his mouth. 
It is filled with people that is destroyed with his body. It is filled with people that he, as self-will, lays hold of him. He, like a cancer in the human race, destroys everything that he touches. But in redemption, God has afforded us uh, in the relationship that we have uh, with the living God. Uh, he has afforded us uh, a wonderful experience uh, of dimension uh, reaching beyond uh, that cancerous condition that sin brings in our lives. We reach beyond uh, in that we are brought into relationship with the church uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, as man joins himself to man, he's able to transcend uh, what he was before. The Bible says these words all were with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now, the will of God is expressed through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see in the natural life that there's very little of this ever done. Men join lodges, men join fraternities, men join this and men join that. But I'm talking about something that is beyond that. I'm talking about something that this scripture declared they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. We're talking about an intimate joining together of human beings, man to man, woman to woman, in a wonderful relationship of the family of God as they are joined unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is the essence of the New Testament declaration. Let's listen to several scriptures this evening. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Acts 4.32 says, And the multitude of those that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that any of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Romans 15.30 says, And I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. And 3 John 8 says, We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I'm speaking about a miracle tonight. I'm talking about man joining himself to man. Not paying his, his lodge dues and getting a cheap card that simply means he can drink at the bar at half rate. I'm talking about an experience of man joining himself to man. I'm talking about all being of one accord. I'm talking about a glorious experience where they are of one mind and of one spirit and of one heart and they have committed themselves to other people in Jesus. You see, that's something that the world knows nothing about, and that is something that the world will never know the joy of, will never know the benefits of, will never know the blessings of, will never know the pleasure of, will never know the glorious supernatural experience as man has joined himself to man, humanity has joined himself to humanity in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as they have committed themselves unto other people in Jesus. That is a tremendous experience, and that is the essence of the New Testament description of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as we join ourselves to the church, and I'm not particularly talking about 
some religious organization. I'm talking about uh, that assembly, that body of believers that is washed uh, in the blood of the Lamb, uh, those people that own Jesus Christ as their Savior and their allegiance uh, is to the King of Kings. Uh, I'm talking about an intimate joining together of those people, live or die, sink or swim, for good or for bad. These people have committed themselves to one another in Jesus Christ. All things common does not mean common ownership or that they own everything together, but that they shared what they had. See, this is beyond ourselves. This is something that, that people are not able to do. Unless a miracle of God transpires within them, they are not able to join themselves to other people in the love of God and to make a commitment to other people and to abide honorably by that commitment unless those people have been born again by God's Spirit and God has worked a miracle in them and has joined them unto a body and a commitment that now they are able to join themselves to other human beings unreservedly without the front without all the falderal in love and in fellowship they share one another's life together see this is an investment in other people see this world lives and take what you can get and split quick <laughs> so I'm talking about an investment in people I'm talking about a relationship uh, whereby human beings uh, join themselves together in a commitment, uh, in a common loving relationship and living in a loving relationship with other people because those other people love God and name Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. There is an intimate spirit. There is a joining together of heart and soul. There is a coming together in one accord that cannot be gained by natural human implementation but is a miracle of God's grace as we invest our lives in other people. See, what that means is that there are many other people that are not lovely, they are not beautiful, they do not have personality plus, they do not have lots of money many times, they do not have many things that this world counts as being worthy of relationship to, but because those people have named the name of Jesus Christ and have given their hearts to the Lord and have gained affinity with you by that confession and by that proclamation, that means they are joined together and you're able then to invest your life in those people. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And none of those uh, claimed that what they had was theirs alone. But they were of one heart and they were of one soul. Neither said any of them that any of the things that they possessed was of their own. But they were all in one spirit and they yearned to join themselves one to another. We're talking about a miracle. See, when you get a group of people, a body of people that are able 
to share their life together and are willing to invest their lives in other people. They're willing to take the time. They're willing to consider, take the consideration. They're willing to share their life. They're willing to take time out to encourage, to pray. They're willing to take time out to lay hands on and encourage, bring deliverance, bring healing, bring whatever may be. They're willing to go into a home. They're willing to go into a car. They're willing to go into the streets. They're willing to go wherever they are to share their life with people of like mind and of like faith. My friend, I'm talking about a miracle of God. I'm talking about something that brings man beyond himself. Because this world is joined together with the selfish nature, and this world lives by get all you can get and can all you can get, get all you can, can all you can get. This world functions by me and nothing else, and I don't care about you, you get yours like I got mine. When you get a group of people that are willing to share together, that are willing to consider, that are willing to invest their lives, that are willing to invest their time, that are willing to invest their love, that are willing to invest their prayers, that are willing to invest their life, you've got a miracle. Man then has, has something happen to him. He's able to reach beyond himself. Thirdly, I want to conclude with one more thought. And that is that out of this, there's a joining together in ministry. We're talking about a miniature Calvary. The proclamation of the gospel means that you and I have entered into a miniature Calvary. When you witness it, when you pay the price to witness unto others, we give our lives for the work of redemption. Every person that witnesses for Jesus Christ, every person that sacrifices their life and shares the testimony of their life and gives themselves unto the bringing of the gospel to others, whether that may be by witnessing, by living the life of the Son of God, by living a life that demonstrates His power. When we do that, there is a miniature Calvary. We are giving our lives for the work of redemption. There will be no salvation unless God finds people that would give themselves, sacrifice themselves, totally give themselves for the work of bringing other souls to salvation. You know the story of the Good Samaritan? Jesus tells the story. A certain man went down to Jericho, fell among thieves who robbed him, stripped him, beat him, and he left him bleeding by the side of the road to die. Long came a Levite and a priest the song leader, and the preacher. They passed him by because they were probably hurrying down to some seminar that was going to tell them how to change the world. And they didn't have time to fool with a human being by the side of the road that wasn't edifying, wasn't uplifting, would take their time, would take their care, would take their concern, would take their, their love, would take their money, and they had no time for this. They were busy about the things of God, or so they thought. But there in their pathway lay the seeds of a revival. There in their pathway lay the key to reaching of humanity. There in their pathway lay an example and an opportunity to bring God's love and redemption unto human beings and to make an impact upon humanity for the kingdom of God. 
and they passed him by. You see, in this wonderful transcendence beyond ourselves, there's a tremendous blessing that is given to us and that we understand what it is to serve God and to give ourselves for the kingdom of God. See, God calls us this evening to people. God does not save buildings. He saves people. God has not called the church to go to church, but God has called the church to go to the people. It is good that we assemble together. It is gracious that we join together in assembly. But, beloved, let us never uh, misunderstand that God's call is for you and I to plead for redemption as we uh, suffer heartache and as we suffer concern and as we take time and we give ourselves for the needy souls of humanity. There's the kingdom of God is exemplified and God's redemption goes into operation. There's a tremendous power in this as we join together in ministry. Because we all know that by ourselves we are limited in our capacity, we are limited in our capability. There are many things we would like to do but cannot do. There's many things we need to do but have not the resource or the capacity to do. But there's a tremendous power that is shown in unity in the scripture that we read tonight. And the Bible says believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women. Here are people that have joined themselves together. Here are people that have allowed God to join himself to them in, in the new nature. Here are people that have joined themselves one to another. And out of these simple people, out of the society of this city, the Bible says such a tremendous impact is made that uh, suddenly a, a great revival breaks out and believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and of women. See, there's a secret of transcending beyond yourself and joining together with other people. See, this is why the do-it-yourself religious courses never work. This is why the Lone Ranger long range Christian is not in the Word of God. Because there is a secret power in God's creative act that is demonstrated in many places that show us that one human being acting alone is very limited in his capacity, but when he joins himself unto other human beings and he comes into relationship with them, suddenly his capacity is multiplied far beyond himself, and he sees a capacity that he did not have before. And here we see the fruits of this joining together. Multitudes were added to the Lord, both men and women. Somebody says that concerning the human brain, that the human brain has a power, and recent scientific research has discovered that the brain power of two people measured simultaneously produced a lifting power of six pounds which has a tenfold increase over one person acting alone. I'm told that one person uh, working on a job can turn out X amount of work, but two people that join themselves together and work together 
can multiply that and ten times the work can be accomplished by two people working together than one man working alone. You see, there's something about us joining together that greatly multiplies our capacity to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A watermelon, as long as it's attached to the vine, has 5,000 pounds of lifting power, but the moment it is severed, it has no lifting power at all. This is a lesson to you and I that we need to understand that we, as we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, have a tremendous capacity, have a tremendous ability if we join ourselves unto other human beings that are in the body of Jesus Christ. But if we try to act alone, we go our independent way, which usually winds up in selfishness, uh, then we will pay the price. Uh, the body suffers, uh, and the ministry and the dimension of the kingdom of God uh, is greatly hindered. See, there's a multiplication that comes by joining together. Leviticus 26 says these tremendous words this evening. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will, cha will, will chase and put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. So then we have five, and the Bible says that these five acting together have a ratio of twenty to one. But if a hundred joined together, the Scripture says they put ten thousands of flight, and that is multiplied, and their power and ability become a hundred to one. Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, and the 31st says one shall chase a thousand, and two will put ten thousand uh, to flight. Multiplication of ability comes in the kingdom of God when you and I join ourselves together and we will join affinity of our spirits and affinity of our hearts and affinity of our ability and we will act in unison together and join ourselves together. Our abilities and our capacity is multiplied far beyond ourselves. The scripture says this evening in the gospel of Matthew, these words, whatsoever you shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. If any two of you agree on earth concerning anything, it shall be done of my Father which is in heaven. The book of Acts which we read said insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them who were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one. As the body joins itself together, its power is greatly multiplied as they join affinity together and begin to lay hold of God. The capacity of the body is tremendously increased. Have you gotten some?
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. On Calvary's cross, God paid the entire debt of sin that you owe. In the cross of Jesus Christ, as he died upon that cross, God made a way that you no longer be separated from him, but that he may join himself to you. He could escape the limitations of fear and guilt and sin and shame. God gave you a freedom that you can reach beyond human understanding. Peace that passeth all human understanding can be your portion in a moment's time as you give your heart to Jesus Christ. All the stored up guilt and sin of years and perhaps decades can be swept away in a moment's time. And you can go out of this place with a conscience that is clean, with a heart and soul that is free, with a spirit that is not in bondage. You can go out of this building a brand new creature, born again by the Spirit of the living God. God gave His Son on Calvary that you might not suffer the penalty of sin, that you might be reconciled, that you might be restored, that you might be redeemed, that you might be lifted from that experience which is yours and come into a dimension of peace, a dimension of freedom, a dimension of blessing, a dimension of deliverance from all the bondages and fears and oppressions of the enemy brought into relationship with him through simple faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to sign a creed tonight. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to open your heart to the living God and let Jesus Christ make himself real to you. While our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around, Christians are praying in this building tonight. There are people here tonight that need God. You never have ever been born again. You've never known the peace that comes by giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. While we pause here just for one moment, I'd like to give you an invitation to acknowledge your acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ and your need of God. I wonder how many there are all over this building that would, in a moment's decision and in a moment's indication, lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me tonight? I need God. I'm not saved or I'm backslidden. I need God tonight. Here's my hand. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand right quickly up and right back down all over this building? Would you pray for me? Right there where you are, would you lift that hand and say, Would you pray for me, Pastor? I need God. I'm not saved. I see that hand. Would there be others? Lift your hand right up and right back down. Say, I'm not saved tonight. I have no assurance of God's forgiveness. I have no liberty from fear and guilt and sin. But tonight I want to go out of this building free by the power of God. I want to go out of this building born again. I want to go out of this building cleansed from the guilt of sin. I want to go out of this building free with the peace of God in my heart. Would you slip your hand right up and join this one? Say, Pastor, I'm backslidden. Or I've never been saved, but I'd like to go out of this building, a new person. I'd like Jesus Christ to come into my heart, come into my life. Would it be man, woman, boy, girl, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, 
all over this building. How many more? Lift your hand right there where you are. And say, Pastor, would you pray for me tonight? I need God. I'm not saved. I've never been born again. But I'd like to have that experience tonight. Would you pray for me as you change the order of the service? Would you lift your hand right up, right back down there where you're sitting, that I may see it and God may see it all over this building? Would there be others? God's brought you to a point of decision. You're not happy with your life the way it is. You're not happy with the way you feel inside. You're not happy with the limitations of your own personality and your own capability. But you'd like to be the person that I described tonight. You'd like to be saved. Would you lift your hand right up and right back down all over this building, man, woman, boy, girl, that I might pray for you? How many more will lift your hand and say, Pray for me, Pastor. I need God. All over this building. We're going to stand in a moment. These altars are open. Perhaps you raised your hand. Perhaps you did not. But you really need Jesus Christ. Someone perhaps who's brought you, your friend or your neighbor, your relative is going to turn with you and invite you gently to come and receive Jesus Christ. There are people here tonight that have other needs. We're going to stand together, sing that chorus, He's all I need, He's all I need. Like that one that lifted her hand to come, I want to pray for her. There are many others this evening that should have lifted your hand. You come while we're singing this chorus, if you will. He's all I need. Let's stand together. Singing that in worship and adoration under God as people come. Uh, 